Praise God. How are you guys doing tonight? Okay. Good. Might have something to do with the stand-up bass or the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure. Um, but whenever Chike plays the stand-up bass, I feel, this could be theologically inaccurate, I feel like the Holy Spirit is more present. So I'm not sure we need to test that, but that could be. Um, man, I'm glad you guys are here tonight. Um, so I'm getting the privilege and the joy of getting to preach the end of Romans 6 tonight. So the last two weeks, um, we have been through Romans, been in the first two-thirds of uh, the chapter of Romans 6. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, flip there. And there's Bibles under your seat, too. In fact, if somebody would grab one of those and uh, let me know what the page number is on it, uh, that'd be helpful. So if you've got a, a blue Bible, we'll call out the page number here in a second. But Romans 6 is where we're going to be. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, we'll uh, take that thing. And if you want to take it home with you, that's fine. Just let us know, because that's stealing, and we want to make sure nobody tries to arrest you for it. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so we'll be in Romans 6, and here's the thing about Romans 6. Um, we got the page number on that yet? 542, thanks. 942? That sounds more right. 942. Um, so if you've got a blue Bible, it's 942 uh, under your seat. Here's the thing about Romans 6. Um, so I've been studying it really the last few weeks, sitting under Tyler's preaching, the professor himself has been up here breaking it down for us. And, um, and the thing about Romans 6 for me, um, and I think for all of us, the truth that is in this one chapter, in this one book in the New Testament, um, is that if I, I, I really believe this, if I could understand this chapter, if I could just fully understand and wrap my heart and brain and soul around the truth that is in Romans 6, I am not only eternally changed, I am forever changed. If I could do that, that's it, and I can't do it. Uh, I've been in it for the last three weeks with, with Tyler in here and studying it myself to prepare for this sermon, and there's still so many areas that I'm going to talk about truth, and we're going to hear that truth in our ears, some of us, and our brains, some of us, and yet our ability to take the truth that we hear in Romans 6 and actually believe that and actually apply that in our life, man, that is it. If we could just do that with this chapter, it will radically radically change your life. It is so powerful what's in this. And so um, it is humbling and an honor and, um, to get to preach it. But at the same time, it needs to be said that I don't have the ability uh, to, to do this, to do life change in your heart. So wherever you're at tonight, whatever you've been struggling with, wherever, whatever your story is and you wound up in this room tonight, um, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit changes us tonight. We leave here different people. Maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. Maybe, maybe you've got this chapter memorized. My prayer is that tonight the Lord would reveal it in a deeper way, would shine light in some dark corner of your heart that you didn't realize was there and, and shine light and bring healing and bring freedom because that's what this chapter is about. So we're jumping in, Romans 6, and we're gonna start on verse 14. And I'm just gonna read verse 14 uh, first and, and we're gonna stop for a second. Um, but verse 14 is the situation that is being communicated. This is, this is God's word, the Apostle Paul telling his church, this is your new status. Verse 14, it says this. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Guys, if I had a handheld mic right now, I would drop that mic and then I would walk and I would sit down and we would just go back to worship. I, I, have, a, I have a headset, so I'm gonna preach for another 25 minutes. But if I had a handheld, that's what would happen. Mike dropped this statement of our status, this truth of who God, what, what 
God says is now the condition of us. He is now, he is now painting the picture of here is the reality now in Christ for those who are in Christ. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace, uh, the living Bible, which is just another translation. We don't preach from the living Bible, but I think it's interesting to cross-reference different translations. Here's how they say it. They say, sin need never again be your master, but now you are no longer tied to the law where sin enslaves you, but you are free under God's favor and mercy. So here's what it's saying, that my sin, so um, my pride, Uh, my apathy towards the creator of the universe, Uh, my lust, all of my struggles in my life, all of those things, my anxiety, my fear, my desire for the approval of other people, so much so that it it becomes this sinful uh, longing that, oh man, this person's gotta like me and I need this person, I really hope this room, man, I really hope I do a good job tonight on the sermon so people will like me. All of that wicked heart of, of mine, all of that sin no longer is my master. All of that I am free from. I am free from that sin. And not just, oh, I'm free from my sin in the sense that I'll get to go to heaven one day, but I am free from that. So the fear and the anxiety and the lust and the pride and the the self-worship and the self-glorification and the self-righteousness and all of that sin no longer is mastery over us. There is so many implications to that. But first, before we get into the implications of that and before Paul gets into that, Paul asks a great question in the next verse. He asks what I think is the most logical question that you would think after hearing your new status in Christ. Your status in Christ, sin doesn't have power over you. So this is a great, very natural question. Verse 15, what, here's what he says. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? And then he answers it by no means. So here's what he's saying. Here's what's happening. The statement and the status if you're in Christ, sin doesn't have any power. It's dead. It's gone. It has, it has no dominion over you. It is not your ruler. You are now free. You are no longer under the law of do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. You're no longer under that law that condemns you. You're now under grace. And the grace of God that says, I love you. This grace that overcomes. The more sin abounds, the more his grace abounds even more. So that's what... Paul talks about just before he gets in this chapter. The more you sin, the more God's grace is going to overcome that sin. That's crazy. So naturally, as a sinful, you know, playmaker, I would say, okay, so what you're saying is the more I sin, God's going to cover it with more grace. So does that mean I can just keep sinning? Right? The more I sin, the more grace is going to be shown. If anything, it just shows how gracious God is going to be. So really, I'm doing him a favor because I'm making him look good. So I'll just keep sinning and doing what I want to do and being my own God and living for myself and just doing whatever my desires would point me towards. And he covers me. And I love that the Bible is so applicable in that way. I love that the word of God asks such relevant questions. I think that makes sense. I think that's a good question. I think we ask that question, whether we consciously are asking it or whether we grew up in a church and has heard the grace of Christ preached over us and we became we swung the pendulum of God's grace to this grace gone wild perspective where we now have license to do whatever we want and we've perverted the gospel. And so many of us do that and we think, oh, God's gonna forgive me and okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to renovate this next week. I'm gonna, Cheeky will probably be in the stand-up base and that'll cover it all, right? So I'll be fine this next week. <laughs> it would be like, um, this illustration breaks down in some places, but it would be like, uh, let's say, and this might hit home for some of you guys, Let's say you have crippling debt in your life. You got student loan debt that's just 
eating your lunch and you've got, uh, you've got some, credit card, some credit card debt that you have accumulated trying to stay above water and live a certain lifestyle and you made some mistakes, you got some medical bills, who, who knows what that, and you've got debt, man. You are in debt, you have got debt. On top of that, your living expenses exceed your income from the job that you have and it's the best job you could get but you're, li- you're trying to live cheaper but it's just it's not matching month after month and, and one night you come to renovate and you just are feeling weighed down by it. You're just thinking, oh God, this is paralyzing and I'm, I, this just debt has this just dominion over me and there happens to be just a, a well-off man who's in, in renovate that night and he sees you over in the corner crying and he comes and he talks to you and he perceives what's happening and he says, hey, God has really blessed me, I'm really well off, I have everything I, I need and, and more. Tonight, I'm telling you something. From now on, I am paying all of your debt. All of your debt, all of your past debt, but also all of your future debt that you'll, yep, you're upside down every month and every month you're not quite, I'm gonna cover that. Every month, I'm just gonna cover to where you, not only are you no longer in debt, but you will never be in debt again. And somebody looks at you and tells you that and they mean it and they're for real and you hopefully would just be ecstatic, right? I mean, we would be off the walls. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Freedom and release and oh, thank you, hug. You know, you will never be able to repay that person. I mean, it's just, oh my goodness, that's, oh wow. And then you get in your car and you think, so I could really spend whatever I want, right? And you get in your, you know, 2007 Honda Civic, and you think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy a Land Rover, right? Because this guy promised I, he's gonna cover all of my debt, so I'm gonna cover all, right? And there's this idea of, well, so you're covering us. God's word, he's not joking. This isn't God saying, hey, I'll cover you within reason. His grace abounds, right? So this is a benefactor saying, hey, my grace is abounding. And then we would misinterpret that relationship and so abuse the grace of God to say, well, so I'm just gonna keep spending however I want because you've got me, right? What a horrible misunderstanding it would be of who God is, our relationship, who we are, and what the gospel is and saving us from, right? That's, that's just a, that's a broken illustration. So let me, let me get this back to sin. Let's move away from relief from our bank accounts and get into the power and impact of sin specifically in our life and how that weighs and how that paralyzes, not just bank accounts. Look at the illustration and how Paul illustrates what's happening. Verse 16, this is what he says. He says, I love how Paul illustrates this. He says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Here's what he's saying. He's saying you're going to be a slave one way or the other. Here's the point Paul is making in in this passage in Romans 6. Here's the truth that I hope gets tattooed in our brains and, and sticks in our hearts. In the Christian life, in the Christian walk, there is no middle ground. In the Christian walk, there is no middle ground. There's not... Okay, well, we know that, like, man, I'm living a sinful lifestyle, and I'm running from God, and, oh, man, I'm really growing with the Lord, and I'm, I'm growing in righteousness, and I'm, I'm feeding myself with his word, and I'm in community, and I'm chasing. And then we have this image somehow that I've created, that we've created, to say, well, I'm just kind of, I'm coasting right now. And I think a lot of us play into this lie and have, have created this plateau lie where we think, well, you know, I'm, doing, I'm not doing awful. I'm just kind of coasting right now. 
right? I'm just kind of, I'm not, like, I'm not a slave to sin necessarily, right? But yeah, I'm not like on fire and I'm not really fully surrendered in a, in a kind of a constant, obedient way. I'm just kind of coasting. I would argue that not only here in verse 16, but all throughout scripture, cries that that is a lie. That in fact, the enemy would love to create a facade that looks like you're coasting or you're plateauing or you're just kind of, you know, you're just kind of lukewarm, is what it talks about in Revelation. And God has no place for those who are lukewarm. It doesn't exist. John Owen quote, and uh, I think Tyler even mentioned this last week. He was a Puritan writer, and I, I love this quote. It's so good. He, he sums it up so well. He says, uh, you are kill- either sin is killing you or you are killing sin. There's no middle ground. Either you in our, in our lives, in our daily lives, we're waking up in, in our daily businesses. Man, how can I look more like Christ? What is the sin that entangles me? What is that? What is the sin that's trying to shackle me and trying to have dominion and try to be my ruler and I'm, I'm serving sin, I'm serving these, these sinful desires and I'm a slave to these sinful desires and I, I'm, or I'm killing that. I'm killing it or I'm being ruled by it. There's no middle ground in this fight. It's so important for us if we're gonna be mature believers and mature in our faith to realize that and to throw away that lie because that is such a trap. I know so many people, I, I've done college ministry for a big chunk of, of my ministry life, and uh, in college ministry specifically, um, and, and most student ministries, there's a seasonal aspect to the flow, right? So if you're in the college life or just recently out of the college life, you understand this fact that like, you know, you're going through the college thing, and, and if you have a great biblical community that you're walking with, and then summer hits, and you go back home, and maybe the situation is like, you don't have this awesome Christian community that's encouraging you, and you just kind of coast, you just kind of say, you know what, I'm just going to relax and rest. And not that rest isn't important, but in my spiritual walk, I'm just going to kind of coast now. And I check back in at the end of the summer, and people are just beat up. They're weary. They're struggling. They come back, and they're, man, unless they have that fight going back home, and they come back to this godly household and Christian friends that are encouraging them, and, and they're fighting that fight. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral. We have to understand that. We're going to obey a master. We're going to obey a master. We're going to obey sin, which leads to death. We're going to obey him, which leads to righteousness. We're going to obey our God. We're going to obey his word. Okay, look how Paul paints this contrast. I want to move pretty quickly through Romans 6. For one, because I want us to have plenty of time to reflect on this at the end. But um, I want us to jump into the contrast that Paul paints. Here's what he does. Verse 17. Verse 17, he says this. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient to the heart, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So he's painting this contrast of the old self. Tyler talked about it the last couple weeks. This idea of our old self, this theological idea, this, this very practical, personal idea in many of our lives. This old self, that's who you were. You were that person. That's who you, you remember that person. And he's painting that with a brush. And then he's showing the contrast. He's showing the contrast. Excuse me, that's the painting of the new self. Here's the contrast of of that old self. And then he says in verse 20, 
For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard of righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Here's, here's that picture. I remember, praise God, that now you are free. You are living this life. You are, you are free. You're walking in righteousness Remember the old self, what it, what it produced in your life. Remember this old place that you were in. Remember the death that was there. Remember, do you, do you see that conscious? Do you remember that? And then, I love what he says. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard of righteousness. Yeah, you didn't have to be righteous. You were, you were free in that regard. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? What was the fruit of that lifestyle? What was the fruit of that old self? the way we lived, what we obeyed, the passions we followed, what was the fruit of it? Um, I, think, I think sometimes, um, you know, preachers, there's an there's a aspect of preaching where you want to get up here and you, you, maybe you guys have sat under this and maybe I, I can do this at times. Man, I'm just going to convince you. I'm just going to tell you how bad, you know, your sinful life is. Or if you go down this sinful road, I'm going to yell at you. And if I get loud and if I, if I parade enough testimonies up here of people who have wrecked their lives, which honestly can be super encouraging. If, if I mean, brothers and sisters of mine who have, who have really have a clear contrast of, man, an old self and a new self and they're sharing about what their old self was like, that can be so life-giving, right? And so there's a level and a temptation of, man, I just want to yell at you guys and tell you, man, the old self is death, but I love what Paul does. He just says, how's that working for you? That's what Paul says to his people. Hey, um, so that way, right, the, the way when you're not following Christ, the way when he is not, you're not under his dominion, but you're just, you're living for yourself, you're living for the world, you're under the dominion of the world and sin, and you're chasing what you, how'd that work out for you? What was the fruit of that? Paul even talks about it. He says, uh, the fruit of which you are now ashamed. That's, um, that's heavy. That's heavy stuff. Um, how's it working out for us? <clears throat> there are, uh, I think, people in this room who know that, who can answer that. The contrast, when I talked to some of you guys, we've had testimonies here over the last year, even on the video, and some of those testimonies have been so powerful of, uh, of people who just, God has really done a, a 180 in their life. Um, I think if you ask yourself, looking at contrast in your life, is there fruit from that? What is that fruit? And if you're in here tonight, and you've been running, and you've been searching for other things, and you've been doing your life, and trying to do it the best you can, and, and, and working hard to, to be right, and, but you've still been under this dominion of sin in your life, then... Um, Man, I think you're here for a reason tonight. I think what God is going to impress on your heart tonight is I have something better for you. Let me take a quick rabbit trail before I get onto that really, really important point. Um, how about the person tonight, and I can relate a lot more to this in my testimony, the person who doesn't really remember the contrast quite as well. Right, so I would say um, I, I believe that I put my faith, my saving faith in Christ and surrendered my life to Christ somewhere around the age of like six or seven. So, like, I don't have this image of, like, man, I used to do this and this and this and this, and when I was in high school, this is how I lived, and, and I, I believed I was saved at a young age. Now, having said that, I was still an idiot, 
Like I still chose the things of the world, but I, I had the Holy Spirit, right? I had a level of conviction. I had a level of protection that the Lord kept me for. I had a level of fruits of the Spirit throughout my life. And so maybe for me, um, it wasn't as much of a light switch on and off. It's been more of a dimmer in my life. But saved at a young age, sealed, God said, you're mine. I'm not letting you go. But, but there's less of this contrast in my life. And, and so maybe you're in this room and you can relate to that a little more. And you think, well, what do I do, right? Like I don't have this like real clear old self. I mean, people Paul's writing to, like, they've got old selves because, like, the grace of Christ has only been known to them for that generation. But, like, for us, some of us grew up in that. We've just always kind of been around the grace of God and known that and seen the fruit of it. Anybody, don't raise your hand, that'd be weird, but I don't know if you have ever lived a relatively conservative life, turned down sin, turned down opportunities to let sin have dominion over you, and instead you chose to be a slave to righteousness. You chose, I want what God has for me because I believe it's better and I've seen it's better. But any of you ever stood on that side of the fence of, of righteousness, this contrast that Paul's painting, and said, God, that looks fun, man. Or you look back and think, I'm, I might have missed out on some stuff in high school, like some sin that like seemed like it was a lot of fun and other people did it, and I I don't know if that's ever a temptation or a doubt or a temptation currently of, God, look at the way those people live. God, that would be way easier. It would be way easier. It, there would be a level of instant gratification that I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you doesn't exist. The instant grat the gratification instantly and in the moment of sin is, is non-debatable. What's the fruit of it? For those who maybe haven't gone down that road and experienced the contrast, dark to, this is a warning to us. This is, this is a father who loves you and is saying, hey, it leads to death. How crazy would we be, how crazy would it be if we only chose to believe things that we had experienced? Well, I have to experience everything in order to validate it. And if we lived in a culture which in many aspects we do, that would say, well, you haven't done it, you haven't tried this, you haven't, oh, well, you haven't experienced these things, so you don't know what it's like, and you can't have a perspective on it. I would say that is a lie. That would be insane if we really believed that we can't have an opinion on things unless we've experienced everything. That, that would be not only incredibly unhealthy, but that, that would just be an immature, ignorant way to go through life. Well, I've never actually tried to stab myself in the kidney. Maybe it does feel good. That's what this guy said. Okay, kidney stabbing it is. That's crazy, right? Now, obviously, kidney stabbing is a really, but, but all of those degrees, we don't, we don't find what gives life and what breeds fruit and what, we don't, we don't find that out by just our experience. We find that out as believers. We find that out because our creator, the designer of life and death, because he tells us lovingly, because he says, hey, this is going to lead here, and this is going to lead here, and this is what I want for you. I want good things. That's how we navigate this. You either trust it or you don't. You either trust what he says or we don't. Or we hear his word, and we hear it preached, and we hear that that leads to death and sin, and we hear the word of God, and we say, yeah, but I'm going to do that. I don't, really I don't really believe him. We're not trusting his word. Um, 
man, I, I don't think I need to convince. I don't think, not only I don't need to, I can't convince. Uh, this has to be a Spirit of God thing. For the believers in this room, that the Spirit of God convicts us of those things. That tonight, as I use this general term, sin, and just throw out this word of sin, that the Spirit convicts us and says, yeah, you know what he's talking about. Because it's not gonna be the same for you as it's for me, as it's for her, as it's for him. That the Spirit is convicting us tonight and revealing in us, um, revealing in us this. I have, I have something more than whatever it is you're chasing in your life. And um, so the question is, why not surrender that? Are you tired? Are you tired yet of that? Tired of being a slave to your desires? Um, maybe it's pride, right? Maybe, maybe your sin in here is, is pride. And, and sure, that manifests itself in maybe some self-righteousness. But here's, I think, one of the big ways where, where pride manifests itself. It, it manifests itself and maybe you feel like um, you can't really be known. You can't really have a level of transparency that puts you at risk because then people might know who you really are. And so whether you're in a small group, maybe you're a small group Bible study leader, maybe you're just in community with people, but there's a level where I don't really need to be known or want to be known, so I'm gonna kind of stiff arm this and I'm not gonna get too real and too vulnerable and too transparent because then people will know that I'm not actually as great as I think I am, as I want people to think I am, and that that. That is exhausting. That is exhausting to live in that, in that wall where you're constantly trying to, to build up this, this facade, man. Maybe that's pride. Maybe it's sexual immorality, right? I feel like that's kind of the go-to for, for church settings. But it's the go-to because it has such a shackle hold on us. Pornography and, and relationships uh, that, are, that are out of bounds with what God has designed sex to function in, in a beautiful, awesome, incredible way, and yet we do it when we want, how we want it. And, and so maybe it's those things, and maybe tonight you know that. You know those addictions. You know what you go to when no one's looking. You know, what, you know where you go on your smartphone, or you know what's happening in your relationship with people of the opposite sex, and, or people of the same sex, or whatever it is that there's this sexuality that has you, and it is shackling you. And maybe tonight it's that and you realize that has dominion over me. And yet you hear verse 14 and the word of God says, no, it doesn't. The word of God says, no, it doesn't have dominion over you. You are free from that. You're not under that. You say, but I feel like, but you aren't under that. The truth of God is telling you that if you are in Christ, you aren't under that. And it's telling you that Jesus is better than that. Jesus is better than whatever you're chasing. Maybe it's fear and anxiety. Tyler shared last week, and if you weren't here and you didn't hear it, you should get on the podcast and listen to it. It was powerful. But shared from his own life how fear and anxiety has been shackled. It has shackled him in, in seasons of his life. And so many of us can relate to that. It's not just this, sin so often can just be this proactive, oh, well, I'm doing sin and I'm doing drugs. Or I'm, but also this, this dominion that the enemy has over us. Where we live in a state of fear and anxiety. And God's saying it no longer has dominion over you. If you are in Christ, the truth is, but I feel, no, the truth is, it doesn't have dominion over you. Don't be ruled by how you feel. Be ruled by my word, what I tell you. Trust me, believe me, walk that out. Uh, maybe you're stuck, maybe you're stuck in an image that was spoken over you. Um, and this is heartbreaking, man. We've got a, uh, we've, our son's gonna be three in September and we have another boy on the way in mid-August and um, I just think so much about what I speak over my son, right? And what I'm going to be as a father and, and my wife and I as we get to speak 
over our, our son. And we're going to inadvertently, hopefully very intentionally, but also I think sometimes very unintentionally, we're going to speak into his identity as a man, shaping who he sees himself as. If he sees himself as worthy, if he sees himself as, uh, as handsome, if he sees himself as gifted, if he sees himself, we as his parents are going to speak into that. Maybe you, listen man, maybe you are still um, under dominion from an image that was spoken over you in your childhood, in your adolescence, in school settings, by your dad, by your mom. Maybe you had an image spoken over you that you weren't worthy, that you weren't lovable, that you were a bad kid, that you were, whatever that looks like. Maybe you had that image spoken over you and tonight as the Holy Spirit convicts that and says, hey, you, you're living under this dominion, you're a slave to that and that's not who you are. Walk over here. Maybe it's the image that our society has spoken over you of what uh, body image is supposed to look like. And when you look in the mirror, you see lies. And you look in the mirror and you say, oh, man, I need to lose weight. I need to do this and that. And, and maybe that leads you to not eating. Or when you do eat, it leads you to throwing up. Because the lies that you're under dominion of are telling you, you need to do this. You need to, you need to and that has you shackled. And other people don't understand it, and if other people don't accept that, and it's, and it's shackled. And the Lord tonight is saying, no longer does that have dominion. Brothers, no longer is that who you are. Sisters, sisters, no longer is that who you are. You are not defined by that. He says who you are. He says how beautiful you are. He sets your image. He tells you you're beautiful, not this or that or the lies you see in the mirror. And he says, come out from under that dominion. I'm offering you something better, a new way to see yourself. I don't know what, um, I don't know what you're shackled by, um, but the Lord does. And if you're in Christ tonight, I'm praying that he reveals it. Not to be painful tonight, but he reveals it so that we can confess and turn and look more like him and have freedom after tonight. Um, here's the challenge for us in re responding to Romans 6. We have to identify that. We have to identify what are those things. And if you're in this room and you're thinking, you know, I don't really know what sin or anything I'm under dominion over, then I would really caution you. I would say praise God that, you know, maybe there's not some overt and uh, unrepentant sins in your life, but I would say man, beg for the Lord to reveal much deeper areas of your heart. Don't be complacent with, I'm doing pretty good on the Christian checklist. Reveal, Lord, what, what is there? And not in a masochistic, something has to be wrong with me, the sky must be falling kind of way, but, but Lord, how can I look more like you? What are those ways? And have the Holy Spirit identify them. Then confess those. Confess those. Confess them to the Lord. Go before him and say, God, this is it. If you're a journal, a journal. If you have a, uh, an authority in your life that you trust, that, that understands the gospel and you want to vocalize it to them and you know they're going to speak gospel truth into that confession or, or a, a brother or sister who... who Operate in that way, confess, and then change. Leave tonight changed. Changed by the Lord, changed by this truth, changed by the fact that sin no longer has dominion over us. We are no longer there. It no longer has the power. Last, last thing I wanna say. Um, if, you are, uh, if you're in this room and you're a non-believer, right, or, or maybe you're not sure and maybe you, maybe uh, much like most of our culture, you thought, well, showing up to church makes me a Christian or the fact that I, you know, want to be a Christian makes me a Christian. 
Um, but as, as I'm talking, and as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, and as I'm talking about the Spirit bringing conviction, stirring in your heart tonight, you realizing, I don't know that I've ever had that or understand that, and I'm not sure what you're talking about. Praise God that you're here. You are welcome here. You are in the right place. You are not out of place tonight. You're not, oh, this, was, this wasn't for me. This was for you tonight, Okay? That freedom that I'm talking about, the freedom that we have in Christ, it doesn't apply to you. It doesn't apply to those who aren't in Christ. It doesn't apply to those who haven't surrendered to Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, you are still shackled. The truth is, sin still does have power over you. And the truth is that sin has separated you from any of the life and fruit and freedom that the gospel, that Jesus, that the creator of all things brings, it separated you from that. And you're standing in the dark and you're standing with this contrast. And you are far from those things and you want those things and maybe you've tried those things and maybe you've tried religion or religious things and you've tried maybe some religious disciplines but for some reason you still find yourself unmoved from the dark. The, tonight the gospel is for you because Jesus Christ was that payment. And, and your surrender to Jesus Christ in acknowledging who he is, who Christ Jesus is as the perfect spotless Payment, the son of God sent to die and hang on a cross until his lungs suffocated with his own holy precious blood for our behalf. Because our God said, I love them, I want them. I am holy and perfect, but I love them. But I am holy and perfect and they are far from me. I'm gonna pave the way for them, those who might put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never done that tonight, do that tonight. Be forever changed. And all of the freedoms and fruit of the Holy Spirit that indwells those who are surrendered to him apply to you and are available to you. And you get to walk out the rest of your days. And you will not be perfect. And you will have, oh, great moments. And you will want and you will go and we'll, we'll put on the chains again for some crazy reason. But they're not bound. We just play in the dungeon and yet it, the, the gates are wide open. Repent and believe. See where you have been and put your faith, your hope, in Jesus Christ. And if that's you tonight, uh, then man, we would love to pray with you afterwards. We'd love to talk to you afterwards. If you, are, if you want to make that decision, if you're making that decision, uh, the band is gonna get back up here in a minute and, and lead us in worship, and maybe you wanna stay and pray and, and do business with God in that way, we would still love to be able to be an encouragement to you. Um, for all of us, this is so powerful. All of us need Romans 6 to be applied to deeper hearts of our lives. We have to identify those areas that we are still walking in slavery, confess them, and repent and believe. Turn from those things and believe the truth and the freedom. We are no longer slaves to that. We are no longer shackled to that. And not just we're free, we are now sons and daughters. We're not slaves, we're his kids. And that is powerful. Let me end on reading you the last two verses of Romans 6. Powerful summation of what Paul is saying. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. That's what we get. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me pray over you. Father, we love you. God, would that not just be a trite thing we say? Would our hearts be changed, God? Would uh, the power of your word change our life? 
We're no longer slaves to sin, God. You tell us that in your word. Why do we not believe it in our actions? Would this be a night where we just don't hear truth and check the box, uh, but instead would we hear who our identity is and who sets our identity and would we live that out? Would we apply that, Father? God, for friends in this room who have uh, wandered far off um, and have found themselves in the weeds and uh, their hearts are dry and their souls feel dry tonight, God, would you just show them how good you are? Uh, as we go back into worship, would you reveal yourself? Would you just remind them that you're not this father in heaven who's so disappointed. You're this father who loves, who shows grace, who shows mercy, and that as our sin abounds, your grace abounds even more. That is a God worth worshiping, Lord. Would we be, would we be people who worship you in all that we do? In the name of Jesus, amen.